Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. We have so many guests on this show making a difference in our lives, making a difference all around the world with the expertise that they bring. And yet so many of you are reaching out to me saying, you want more. It's not enough, just what we're putting on these podcast episodes for you. And so I am here to extend a very warm welcome to you to our Difference Maker community, where you can join for as little as $5 a month to get all this extra content out the gate. You're going to get 30 plus minisodes of exclusive content not available for the regular podcast listeners and an exclusive minisode every month. And you'll get exclusive voting power to help us pick podcast topics and more. And that's with our changers tier. There's three different main tiers and then an extra uh, larger tier. But whatever tier that you join at, you will be included in this extra content. And I know that many of you are wanting to go a little bit deeper. And so even though it gets a little wild in there sometimes because of how deep we go, I want you to join us there. This extra content is very special. It means a great deal to me to be a part of this community with you. And I would love to just exchange uh, ideas or perspectives that you have around these different episodes. And that's the place where we do it. So please show up to our Difference Maker community. Give us $5 out of your pocket every month. And I think that you'll have a lot of fun in there because we do. And I would love for you to join us. So go to patreon.com slash a world of difference to join us there. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm Lori Adams-Brown, and this is a podcast for those who are different and want to make a difference. Hello. Today, we have another podcaster on the show. Amy Fritz, who hosts the Untangled Faith podcast, is going to be on today. And Amy is passionate about speaking out against abuse and toxic work environments, mainly because her husband worked and a very toxic work environment um, for the Lampo Group, which otherwise is known as the Dave Ramsey Solutions or Ramsey Solutions. Um, she and her husband live in Nashville, and she found herself in, reluctantly on a journey as a spouse of somebody who worked in a toxic work environment. And because of the nature of the um, concept of the crazy spouse, which or crazy wife, I should say, um, which uh, we'll go into into the um, episode in more detail, um, she ended up getting roped into a very toxic situation herself and therefore spoke out about it, became a whistleblower and has a podcast called Untangled Faith that was sort of born out of that and another church experience that she had um, that we'll ask her about as well. But anyway, today, just want to introduce you to Amy Fritz. If you've not heard of her before, introduce you to her podcast. Highly recommend that you check it out. And um, Amy is very passionate about helping the truth be exposed and helping set people free from toxic work environments and faith-based spaces to find places of flourishing that are emotionally healthy and healing. So in this emotionally healthy emphasis we're doing in our series right now, I thought it would be great to have Amy on the show to share her own narrative, her own perspective. So you can hear it straight from her. Um, but of course, she goes into way more detail on her own podcast. So I just definitely want to make sure you go there. Um, Amy and I are going to both be at Podcast Movement in Denver in August. So if you're also a podcast host or involved in the podcasting industry, would love to meet you. Um, we'll both be there. And anyway, today I'm just very delighted to have on the show, Amy Fritz. 
Hello, Amy, and a very warm welcome to the A World of Difference podcast today. Thank you, Lori. It is so good to be here. You've been on my podcast, so it's my turn. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I love how podcast hosts can support each other. And for us, we have so much alignment in the type of podcasting that we do. So trying to make a difference, trying to speak about things that sometimes people don't want to talk about, but the truth sets us all free. So we're going to dig into some some good stuff today, and I'm really glad that you're here. You have such a compelling reason why you started your pad- podcast, and um, I know that probably some of the people that listen to this podcast also listen to yours. There's a little bit of a crossover in the concentric yeah. circles there, but I kind of just want to give you a chance to sort of start off by letting us know who are you, why did you start this podcast, and even a little bit of the the background of what led you to get it going. Yeah, I think you're right about our uh, mutual listeners. Uh, Probably if you were to look up either of our podcasts on like Apple, where it'd say, if you like this podcast, you might like this one. It'll probably point to the other one. So I'm happy to be here. Um, Yeah, I started my podcast in uh, spring of 2021. I've been thinking about it for a while and Um, the name of my podcast is Untangled Faith and I provide community and anti-gaslighting and encouragement for people that have had hard experiences with their faith, like in faith communities. Um, you know, I say, you know, this is a place for people that have been discouraged or disillusioned in their faith journey, you know, people that love Jesus. Um, they are not done with Jesus, but they're done with some of these trappings that they have realized are not Jesus. And so I had been feeling the, I had for quite a while felt compelled to talk about some things that were broken in the church. Um, you know, sort of the, uh, the ways that we the Willow Creekification of churches <laughs> made me feel a little, I just made up that word. I love that word. That is a word. Now. Um, yeah that, you know, we turned it into like this sort of business thing and we were applying all these business principles to church, which can be fine, mm-hmm. but sometimes they're not. Yeah. And so I sort of been thinking about that for a while, um, had some weird experiences with some really unhealthy pastors, a pastor that we just felt like uncomfortable with. And then realized like when things were melting down with him, that the reason why we really didn't have a, really weren't enjoying him so much is that he actually was plagiarizing every word of every sermon he, he preached. And one of his main sources was Mark Driscoll, whom I was not a fan of. Of all the people to plagiarize. (laughs) It only makes sense that I would be, I would leave some of these sermons going, why does he sound angry? And what is his problem? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, he was doing sort of a dramatic reenactment, dramatic reading of other people's sermons every single week, wow. including their personal stories. Ew. Wow. So he didn't just use like the outlines of their sermons, but if they had a really funny story or a really powerful personal story, he shared it as his own. Wow. Just, I don't recommend. <laughs> don't yeah. Feel like, the whole charlatan pastor thing is is just way more common than yeah. it should be. <laughs> yeah, and so that I that was like I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the problem of plagiarism church. You know, I wrote in my blog. I did some things that way, but 
uh, around the same time, I was starting to feel like this tension because in 2012, our family had moved to like the capital of the evangelical industrial complex, Nashville. Uh, and my husband was working for a high profile Christian leader for Dave Ramsey, who whole empire was about selling things to Christians. And he was partnering with people that I felt uncomfortable with. Um, and the more I was paying attention to the things Dave was saying and the way, the way he was, I started mm-hmm. to feel like, I don't know. I was feeling like if I keep talking about unhealthy things, what, what happens to my husband's job and right. how, and I was having this cognitive dissonance that says, Amy, <laughs> you know, your paycheck is coming from somebody that is probably could easily be added in this list of problematic things that you're working through. Mm. But I had also, I was dealing with betrayal blindness that was saying, yeah. Oh, you know, everybody is a little narcissist if they lead an organization. And my brain was doing, was working over time for quite a while to keep me from seeing how bad things really were just to protect us because seeing how bad it was requires some really hard decisions and paying some pretty big costs. And we weren't ready until my brain was ready (laughs) until the Holy spirit was like, she's ready. They're ready. Nathan and Amy are ready to see this. And so all of those things were sort of, I, so I, I kind of went silent for a while on talking about things on, on my, my website while dealing with some personal things and kind of reckoning what was happening behind the scenes with my husband's um, employer. And it was 2019 that things came to a head um, where, you know, there were so many things happening in the evangelical world with high profile leaders in the mm-hmm. recent years leading up to that, that were just so terrible. And I just knew, I mean, and I know it was the Holy spirit that just said, Amy, at some point, you know, you're going to turn on your phone. You're going to get up in the morning, turn on your phone, scroll through the news. And there's going to be an article about your husband's CEO. Yeah. And I just knew I didn't, it wasn't like this might happen. I, it was a, this is going to happen. It's all going to come tumbling down. It's not, it's not all great. And yeah, I didn't even tell Nathan that at the time. I mean, I shared it with him later, several months later when we, when things kind of hit a fever pitch of us seeing some really horrible things we had to address, whether we we're going to trust them or not, if we're going to, things were going to work out for us there or not. Um, but yeah, that's sort of and all that's of the this betrayal blindness, right? That's what you're trying. Yeah. So um, unpack that a little bit more. Betrayal blindness is, you know, the same person who coined the term DARVO, which we talk about a lot on here, which is the whole deny and attack and reverse victim offender. Also kind of coined this term betrayal blindness. How did that look for you? And explain um, a little bit more about what was going on, the risk that you would take to believe it and the blindness that you were somewhere in your being taking on. Yeah. Learning about it has given me so much compassion for my past self and for others in the situation of uh, betrayal. I, I, I read Jennifer Freed's book where she is called blind to betrayal. And she talks about this and it's just really, really powerful talking about how our subconscious says, this is dangerous for you to see this. I don't know if you can handle seeing it. So our very self works against us seeing things. And this is a fantastic thing for young children that are experiencing abuse because Mm -hmm. their little psyches cannot 
would not be able to handle that. Yeah. Um, but there are also times it works against us. And so in, in our case, it was those little red flags that would pop up, you know, red flags, orange flags, <laughs> all the different colors of flags where you have to decide, oh, did I actually see that? Is that mm-hmm. actually a problem? And then if, if it is, if I decide it is a real problem, if I actually am allowed to like process it or let myself go there, there is a cost involved in seeing hard things. And the, the higher the cost, I think the more your subconscious works against you seeing it. Um, you know, maybe you have a bunch of like really stressful things going on in your life, maybe with your health or with your marriage or with your kids or something. Um, your subconscious says, we can't do one more thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't, we're going to like file that away for later uh-huh. <laughs> for when things. So for us, it was, it just felt like we couldn't see it because our income was tied to trusting that a place was good. Yes. And if so we often didn't, like that. Mm-hmm. And if we, you know, entertain the idea that it wasn't, mm-hmm. what do we need to get a new income. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, and this pays our bills. Right. This pays for our groceries. Um, this pays for our insurance. And so mm-hmm. I never want to look at somebody and say, why is Lori still there? What is wrong with her? How <laughs> right. come she can't see it? Um, I have a lot of empathy for the people in those situations where the problematic person or place is providing something mm-hmm. that that family really needs. Yeah. I have less empathy for the person with a lot of resources and a lot of power in the situation that is also harming somebody else right. while like trying not to see the bad things. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. It, yeah. it is like, and we've all been the bad guys in some ways. And so reckoning with all of the things is really hard. I don't know if I answered all of your questions, but you did. The no, truth, it's it does so cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very complicated. I mean, in your situation, it was a toxic work environment uh, of a, an employer of a business who is a professing Christian and has Christian products that he sells. In other people's cases, it might be, you know, like a mega church, for example, yeah. where you have employees and you also have volunteers. Volunteers don't necessarily have their money tied in with their income, but their relationships are connected there. Community, they swear, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. they, they're involved multiple times a week, sometimes volunteering 20 to 40 hours of their time, not being paid, but maybe they are hoping to find a spouse there. Maybe their kids love the youth group or whatever. There's not, yes, that's that. right. You know, it's when like pulling Velcro cards. Yeah. It's exactly. hard to leave. It's hard People to leave. People will endure a lot. Mm-hmm. for their kids. They <laughs> their will. Kids are okay. I know. So, yeah. yeah, I was just I did make a list as Nathan and I were thinking through is is it time for Nathan to resign from his job? Mm-hmm. I made a list of people I could leave. we could lose, friendships yeah. we could lose. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not just income, it's yeah. like your community. Mm-hmm. And when you when, when it's involving a faith organization, Oftentimes we tie so many things up in that one place. Like maybe your income's there. All of your friends are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, your coworkers are all there. All of it is this are the same place. And so to walk away from that means you lose all the things at once. Yeah. And the more power and influence the, the person or organization has, 
in your community, the higher the cost it will be for you. Yeah. So I know that you unpack this on your podcast. So p- people, yeah. please go back and listen to the Untangled Faith episodes where Amy unpacks this also with her friend, Melissa. Um, but I mean, one of the interesting parts about your story is you were not the employee, but you were a wife of a Ramsey Solutions yeah. employee. And so how did you sort of first become aware of this toxic work environment created by Dave Ramsey and what impact did it have on your friend, Melissa yeah. Hogan? It's weird. I mean, some people are probably like, why, why would she have anything at all to do with her husband's employ- employment? That is a good question. Yes, but that's, that's the question. How, <laughs> that's how ministries are often set up. Uh-huh. You hire the one person and you get this package deal for free. Yeah. <laughs> it's the spouse helper mm-hmm. person. This happens in churches all the time, yep. whether it's it and oftentimes it's well meaning. It isn't mm-hmm. like a, necessarily a nefarious thing. Like it 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 it's problematic if there's an assumption that you're just gonna get like extra <laughs> work from somebody that isn't actually on the payroll. Yeah. Um, but and like the weird thing is with this, this is not a ministry. Like people think that Dave Ramsey's company is a ministry or like this nonprofit thing. It is neither a ministry or a nonprofit. This is right. a for-profit business that does some ministry type things. But when it comes to like conflict between ministry and profit, profit's going to win pretty yeah. much every time. And that's what we learned. Um, and so when it comes with, with the Ramsey um, Ramsey organization, their legal name is the Lampo group. I, I knew the Lampo group because Dave had put out a book called entree leadership, all about how they do business. And I understood that they also interview the spouse. They do a spousal interview. And the explanation in the book was to make sure that they, the spouse was not married to crazy because if the spouse is married to some, is some crazy person, they will distract the employee from their work it's a drain on them. And so they actually interview the spouse. Now it is illegal to ask somebody in an employment situation, like in an interview, if they are married, mm-hmm. cause you cannot make a decision. You can't, you know, make a, a hiring decision based on somebody's marital status, but yeah. people volunteer this information and there's, there's ways to get around it. Like people put that information out there publicly. Yeah. So yeah, I was interviewed. And they, I quickly, I was, I bought in, I thought, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't really, um, I, I bought into the whole thing. I knew what to say. I knew how to be supportive. Mm -hmm. And shortly after Nathan started his job, I took over as like one of the admins of the Facebook group for the Lampo women, um, people that work there or spouses of people that work there. I planned like events for us. I met new people that were moving to town. I showed them around. I helped connect them to churches. Like this was sort of like, <laughs> this was an unpaid part-time job. I was also expected to like shut down conversation that was negative about the company. If it was happening on a Facebook group, like if people were complaining, this was a big, huge deal. And it would get back to the company and we would be expected to shut it down. I'm not working there. I'm not going to paycheck. So <laughs> This, this happened. Yeah. I'm already, I'm like feeling like all the anxiety all over again of like having my husband being like talked to by a board member saying, Hey, Amy or the other admin needs to go shut down this conversation. They're like, they're not, people aren't happy about X, Y, Z. So they better shut it down. 
Dave's not happy. Yeah, it's very toxic image management. It's not allowing um, negative feedback to ever come in. It checks out as to how, um, you know, the mega church I worked in under Andy Wood, that was, they had ways of doing that too. Yelp reviews, things they would, you know, you weren't, it was, you'll get fired for gossip. That's also a Dave Ramsey. I don't know where that started. If it started with Bill Gothard or who started the same. You know, (laughs) as I'm reading the Bill Gothard stuff, it sounds so similar, but yeah, yeah, if you, if it's not if it's anything that isn't positive, they yeah. say that it is gossip mm-hmm. and you are not allowed to share anything that's not positive, except with somebody that they say can solve the problem. And they define that very specifically as somebody in authority. So I could not talk to a peer about a problem. Mm-hmm. In fact, even spouses are not allowed to say, raise concerns publicly. It's such abuse culture, right? Or privately. Yeah. And so like if you, I, you know, I had a friend who posted something on her personal Facebook page saying that she was concerned about something during COVID. Her husband was fired over it. Uh, that same year, right after um, another spouse was like out in public, um, said something really benign about how the organization handled some COVID things. And the owner of the company, of of this bar that this person was at, this hotel like lounge, went back and reported to Dave that somebody was saying something negative about him. So the spout, the 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 employee got fired immediately. So he has spies everywhere. Yeah. They told the employees that this person was going to work on their marriage, basically, leaving and working on their marriage. And then Dave shared the story in a um, convocation at Liberty University that you can listen to that is already that's recorded and talked about how he fired this person because they married poorly. It's it's just unbelievably toxic. It is, it so is unbelievably toxic. You asked, toxic. My, <laughs> you asked about my friend Melissa. So you know, spouses were very involved in like mm-hmm. supporting the company. And so we met each other. And so, you know, I became friends and I met my friend, Melissa. She started a writer's group and some of us met monthly at her house. So I became friends with her and it was through that friendship. She never shared any issues that were bad. You know, we didn't do that. We were good. We weren't allowed. Yes. <laughs> we weren't allowed to share anything. But um, in the, at the end of 2019, she, she just disappeared. Uh, right around the Christmas party time. And I knew something terrible had happened. Like I just couldn't leave well enough alone. And so I started, I, you know, I channeled my inner Nancy Drew and realized that her, she was married to basically the person that was the succession plan to Dave. So Dave wouldn't have to be on the radio all the time and be able to retire at some point. And I realized through some digging that um, this guy that she was married to a face of the company, it had, I saw some really clear indication that he was cheating on her and he was getting ready to go on a big, big book tour to represent the, the company. And we were like, well, what do we do with this information? Like, I can't, a friend has disappeared. She's not saying anything to me about anything. So nobody's gossiping to us. Right. Um, and we get in trouble. We get in trouble if we say the wrong thing to the wrong person. You don't want to get this wrong. And so we just prayed about it for a really long time until finally Nathan brought it up to his, his boss. Uh, and then his boss brought it up, had already had some similar concerns 
Um, and we just were like, okay, if anything happens with Nathan's boss, he was like our canary in the coal mine. We'll know something is really wrong. And that guy just resigned. He resigned with nothing lined up. Like one day he was just like, Hey guys, I'm done. And yeah. So, and things spiraled from there. So the story, you know, I, I go into it in many, many episodes and my, um, my podcast, but it was, it was heartbreaking to see the way the company in the end had decided. We didn't realize we thought if they know the truth, they'll do something, they'll do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But we realized they did know all along and actually they were covering for the guy that was bringing them money at the expense of the abused spouse. Cause it was going to be too expensive for the Lampo group, Ramsey solutions to actually figure out what was going on for real. Like they could have, they just believed this guy that came and said, my wife's crazy. Well, it's so easy. Yeah. yeah. They created this sexist trope of crazy wife and, you know, put it into the system from the very beginning. And they did bring in, in the end when Melissa did go to them and ask for help and say, this is what's happening. um, They brought in, you know, elders and people that knew them that, said, yeah, he's been cheating on her. This is absolutely true. And they still decided that everything was in the past. And they decided that oral sex was actually not infidelity or adultery. That was not over the line. Um, and to move forward with their plan with him. So they did have a policy, though, however, at Ramsey that you would be yeah. fired for infidelity. Is that right? Well, I mean, Dave's Dave has an article on the website, whether maybe he's taken it down now and also talks about it in the entree leadership book that says, if your spouse can't trust you, I can't trust you. I mean, you can't, you know, basically saying you can't work for me if you are not faithful to your spouse. And yet this was an exception they made and you wonder how many exceptions were made. Well, it seems like the exceptions are made for people that have power. An influence. The exception wasn't made for the admin assistant who was single and got pregnant. Right. They fired her when they found out, mm-hmm. um, citing their righteous living pro- policy that she had not been living by that. But the same, the same time they fired her, they were covering for Chris Hogan, who they knew had been cheating on his wife for decades. Yeah, so the sexism, the double standards, the power dynamics, the just overall toxic culture, (laughs) in addition to laws being broken, is it even legal to fire a woman because she's pregnant? I don't think that's legal. Yeah, and they they would say they didn't because she was pregnant. They fired her because she broke the rules about righteous living, which they wouldn't have known about if she wasn't pregnant. And, you know, it, it begs the question of like, what happens with a guy? A guy could get away with this because there's no physical, you know, evidence, evidence right. that he did anything. Um, he has all sorts of wrong. It's all sorts of messed up. So that employment for my husband ended with him being brought into a board meeting because they knew he had some concerns and him just saying, I think something's going on here and I am not comfortable with it. And they lied to him and basically said, it's not what you think it is. Some people aren't who you think they are, you know, and, they were insinuating that Melissa wasn't trustworthy. She had not told us anything at all and said, you need to decide if you trust us or not. And if you don't trust us, you know what you need to do. And so Nathan did resign 
in the next team meeting after he resigned, Dave told the whole team that some people had recently left. They were like rats leaving a ship with no sign of water. Rats. And they didn't, and then they lacked a backbone. He said, he said, you know, if you lack a backbone, don't have the ability, don't have the, you know, are willing to come to me and talk to me and you're willing to believe lies, blah, 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 blah. Fine. It's a good thing you're gone. Maybe you should be gone. We know this because we have a recording of the meeting. Yes, I know. I heard that. <laughs> that they say it doesn't exist. That they claimed in another um, court hearing that they did not rec- they did not recordings of these team meetings when they absolutely did have them, and they were on an internal drive that people accessed to hear about the meetings that they missed. The amount of lies, the amount of um, I mean, image management is just a kind way of putting it. False narrative is also a sugarcoating it a little bit. I mean, it just full, you know, they're just lies. They're just actually telling things that aren't true actively, publicly. Um, And an organization that's, you know, marketing itself as moral, godly, you know, Christian-based. And once you get in there, you realize all of the stuff, right? And so, I mean, I think that, like, interesting what you said before, we talk about a lot in, in this whole unpacking of toxic workplaces or toxic faith spaces, and in your case, both, um, our autonomic nervous systems often pick up on the danger signs like our bodies do before our brains do. And I think you kind of mentioned that a little bit in your story. Um, I mean, I personally, when I've heard Dave Ramsey speak, my body just picks up on all kinds of stuff, but even just like, I'll write, I've written down words and been like, these words aren't good. Like these are terrible words. Like it's not, it's how he's saying it. It's what he's saying. It's, it's like, he's a very abusive person in his like the vibe that he gives off and I I just wonder if uh, people listening like at his big conferences or even in his workplace um, if some of that is sort of these sort of like I don't know trauma bonding things that happen or you know like people who've had something familiar in their past that something about it feels familiar and so you kind of go along with it sometimes, but everybody's yeah. like probably fawning because of trauma, right? Or yeah, I, I think part of it that? is yeah. that there's a couple different versions of Dave Ramsey. Uh, oh, there's there always the is. Yeah. Pastoral <laughs> version of Dave. Got it. Um, and then there's the radio version, like mm-hmm. the radio Dave. And then there is the Dave who's speaking in conferences. And right. there's the Dave that's speaking at your church as opposed to the Dave that's speaking at the Global Leadership Summit uh-huh. or at one of his big conferences. They aren't all the same Dave. And so if you're working for Dave and he's paying your your salary um, and you often are, you know, every Monday they have like team meetings and every Wednesday they have like either somebody internal or some local pastor will speak like a, like a church service type of thing, like a servant at work. <laughs> and so sometimes you'll get to hear him share about his testimony, how God saved him and how God's used FPU to help people find Jesus and help these single moms that were destitute to be able to pay their bills. And it will be like this super emotional, like, Get, you know, pull and tug at your heartstrings. Like, this is real. Like, this is the real Dave, right? Like, I know his real heart. And so when I, so when I hear people say, or I hear Dave be really obnoxious and prideful and arrogant and rude on the radio, I think, oh, that's just Dave, you know, but I know who he really is. Like, I've, we've seen him 
behind the scenes. Like people, not everybody knows all these really good things that he does because he can't, like if he told everybody, he'd be, you know, bragging about it. Well, I would argue he's very upfront about the things that he does and <laughs> was not happy when they did a big debt pay down of people and it did not get the press that they hoped it would get. It was overwhelmed by other press, like internal people internally in the company told us later that like leaders at Ramsey were really upset that it did not get picked up as much as they hoped it would. And so there's these different versions. And I think we all know people that are like, oh, but I know their heart. Mm -hmm. I know their heart. Um, And so I don't know if it's that fond response or if it's just a, I really know who they are. And I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that the obnoxious part that like lets itself be seen every once in a while will like stop (laughs) or somebody will like, at some point, somebody basically took away the keys to Dave's Twitter. I don't know how they did that. I think somebody, somebody in like 2013 ish said, maybe don't fight people on Twitter. It's not a good look. We'll do that differently. Like he can be, and so he's not as upfront. He's got a lot of codependence around him. It sounds like, I mean, he sounds very, I mean, I can't diagnose anyone. I don't have that kind of um, degree or ability, but when we understand (laughs) narcissism, I mean, narcissism very much, they have multiple sides and then they tend to have enablers, codependence around them, taking their Twitter away and be like, we need to show your good side, but it's like, they don't want to acknowledge (laughs) what is very toxic and obviously hurting people. So I know that I saw recently in the news, there was something about like timeshares and there's all kinds of stuff still going on. I mean, legally there's still issues happening. You're not the only whistleblower in this organization. What is kind of your understanding now that you're out of it at this point and what are, what's the kind of current thing? Yeah, there are several different lawsuits that are ongoing. Um, and one is the the gal I mentioned earlier that was fired because they say that she broke the righteous living clause. So they found out she was pregnant because she told them when asking for FMLA leave. And so she lost her job. So she, they are in the middle of a lawsuit because she has sued them. We're waiting to hear from a judge on what happens next because Ramsey has filed for summary judgment. I do not think the judge is going to be like, oh, yes, we all agree on everything so I'll just do a summary judgment. That does not seem to be the case. Um, they, but a recent um, class action lawsuit was filed against Dave, and it had to do with customers of Timeshare Exit Team. And Timeshare Exit Team was a huge sponsor of the show. Um, Dave was very vocal on the show about how they would help people get out of their timeshares. Um, and he also talked about how they got so much business because of him. Yeah. Um, it looks like what happened was these guys didn't have any extra special knowledge about getting people out of timeshares is they, they took a lot of people's money and in many cases they were not able to get people out of timeshares. They just told some people to stop paying for their timeshares. Um, There are a lot of people that gave money to timeshare exit team because they trusted Dave's endorsement. Mm -hmm. Um, And Dave continued to endorse the company even after he was hearing from fans of his saying, Hey, we're not being served by these people. They're not getting back to us. Um, we're not getting out of our, our, our timeshares. And he continued to endorse them as long as timeshare exit team was giving Dave money for advertising dollars. The only, the only time he stopped endorsing them is when they no longer had the money to give him. Oh, interesting. For that. that. Seems to be the Even pattern, right? He knew there was a problem. 
Yeah, they, it's kind of like And Dave said the problem was they just had too much business. They they grew too fast, too quickly. And so we were trying to work with them, Dave says, <laughs> yeah. to help them have better customer service. Um, it does not seem to be just the fact that they weren't able to keep up with customers. They weren't able to deliver on what they promised. And so it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens because people really believed that endorsement and like was Dave following all the rules, the FTC rules and like disclosing why he was endorsing them? Was it a personal endorsement? Was it a commercial? How clear was he on the whole thing? It'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens. It will, but it's just I one of the other Dave personally in that, as well as the company. In that yeah, lawsuit. they did. It'll be interesting. Cause I mean, it's just one more piece of evidence that shows we really hopefully can start learning to not blindly trust faith leaders, faith slash business leaders, who just say, I don't want to hear negative things. Just trust me. Everything's fine. Yeah. That's just not it. It's not wise. Um, the Bible would never tell us to do that, to blindly trust a human leader and have no accountability. So yeah. on this end of it, your podcast is, you know, about untangling faith and you have held on to your faith through this, but it, you know, looks sort of different now based on what you've gone through. Um, yeah. What is, speak to that person right now listening that just feels like, wow, this whole thing is just a sham. I don't even know if I can trust any faith institutions. Institutions just protect themselves. Um, what's right about that? And how you, do you resonate with that? And kind of how have you walked through it untangling your own faith? I think one of the hardest things is I would love to be able to say this is uncommon and <laughs> probably won't happen to you. And it probably won't happen again. But I don't, I don't think that's an honest, I don't think it's an honest representation. I think institutions protect themselves um, because they're run by humans. And if we believe what the Bible says, that we have a sin nature, even Christians have a sin nature, even though we have Jesus. Um, and not everybody who claims to represent Jesus and claims to follow Jesus is a follower of Jesus. And so when you have that sort of combination happening, those people are running these organizations, they are going to be fallible. And so it, we are always going to need to hold that tension, which is the worst thing. I think that is the thing. I just want to sit next to you and say, it sucks. And I hate for you that you have to see through this lens that you have had to take this pill that you did not want to take to begin with, but was forced down your throat. And now you see the world differently and you can't go back. There's just no going back. Um, so I want to say, I, I will sit next to you in the church potluck. <laughs> I will sit next to you eating the best dessert that, you know, Sally brings every time her banana pudding or whatever it is. And I will sit with you and say, I also don't know if I should become a member of the church. I also know that I want to be like, I want to stay and contend for the goodness of our faith organizations, but I do not know how much I can take. Um, and I think it's okay to not give allegiance to an institution. Yeah. Permission granted to never be a member of a church again, permission granted. I think there's something really wonderful about being in community with fellow believers, but I am not going to tell you that that has to happen in the way that it has traditionally looked in the past. Um, I think we learn theology best in community. I think we are held up best in community, but if that, I don't think the only community that is available 
is in necessarily like the Baptist church on the corner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would just say, I'm really sorry. I I wish I could say it's all, this is a one-off. I wish I could, but I am still sitting in that tension too of me. Like I didn't ask for that. I thought this isn't my dream. This isn't what I wanted. I wanted to be comfortable in this world. I wanted to be comfortable in the Christian institutional world. I grew up being really comfortable in it and I'm not anymore. And that's just this, this dissonance. And I'm, I'm, it's sad. Right. But I don't want to live like naive either. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know if that gives hope or not. I do know that there are good people out there, good leaders of different churches, and it may be a denomination or a community you would never would have tried before because you were afraid that they were like down the slippery slope of like (laughs) bad theology or bad whatever. The liberals. Um, (laughs) The slippery slope. We're all part of the slippery slope club here. Um, I, I'm just going to trust that Jesus is going to hang on to us and that really what really matters will stay, will like float to the top and the things that don't will fall away and, and that we will find community that is like, gives us space to say, I don't even know what I think of church. And I hope you find a pastor if that's what you want that says, I get it. I'm okay with it. In fact, I dig it that you are here and I'm so glad. And I don't care if you're a member. Yeah. I don't care if you ever give tithe money to a capital campaign. Yeah. I just want you to know Jesus loves you and we love you. And yeah. did that answer your question? I don't know. I have some deep no, it's big thoughts about, I have some big feelings about the whole thing. Um, yeah. Well, because of your experience, all you've seen yeah. and done when you've gone that deep and been behind the scenes and seeing what happened to you and your husband and your friend and this woman who was fired for being pregnant and just one thing after another. Um, And then the stories that have come to you, even just like the whole Bill Gothard situation, it's just everywhere, all over evangelicalism, there's so much toxicity. So thank you for expressing that in such a beautiful way. I know it probably touched a lot of people, whether people have a Christian background or not. I think when you're in a faith organization or have been a part of faith institutions, um, whether you're a Muslim or a Jew or a Hindu or a Buddhist, any of our institutions can become toxic because people yeah. make not just mistakes, but people can go down um, entire systems of building toxic places that oppress and use their power over people in ways that harm a lot of us. And so thank you for unpacking that. I know a lot of people resonated with it. Um, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing your story today. Um, I do once again want to point people to your podcast because you go way more in depth on all of these things and walk through it kind of in real time and a lot of of it going on. And so thank you for that. Um, Also, uh, I want to, you're going to hang out with us for one more question here. We're going to close off this and then we're going to talk to our Patreon supporters. And I, I want to get your perspective more on some of the recent stuff that's happened, even with like abuse in the Southern Baptist convention. I know you're right there in Nashville where Lifeway headquarters is, and there's probably a lot of crossover there. So we're going to talk about that, but let people know where they can find you. And, um, and if they want to reach out to you and have any further, you know, questions about some of the stuff you said. 
Yeah, I'm ridiculously easy to find online. So if you just look, if you just search for Untangled Faith, you'll find me. So if you listen to podcasts, if you just look for the Untangled Faith podcast, you will find me. Um, I have a website, untangledfaithpodcast.com. That is me. And I'm on Instagram as um, Untangled Faith. Um, I'm Faith Untangled on Twitter or whatever it's being called now. I'm having all of the feelings about Elon Musk and Twitter, but I'm also on threads. So if you look for Amy Fritz and Untangled Faith, you will find me. I'm ridiculously easy to find. Awesome. Yes. Reach out to Amy if you have any further questions or just want to know what it was like to be a wife of somebody who worked in a toxic environment, what it's like to be a whistleblower. She's had a lot of experience and supported a lot of people. So thanks for being on the show today, Amy. I really appreciate you and the work that you do. And I'm looking forward to us being together at Podcast Movement in Denver. So if you're a podcast host and you're going to be there, yeah, that's right. If you're going to be at Podcast Movement in Denver, look for Amy and me. We'll be walking around going to all the different breakout sessions, and uh, we'd like to meet you. Yes. Thank you, Lori. This has been fun. This has been fun. Well, Amy certainly gave us a lot to think about. She has thought very deeply about what she has walked through herself, what her friend Melissa walked through, what her husband walked through, um, and many others that she knows that have been in that particular environment. But not only that, um, this has opened her up to the conversation around toxic workplace environments and even just toxic faith communities. And Um, I really hope that something she said today may have opened your eyes, whether it was the concept around betrayal blindness, where it was maybe you've had an experience where you have been labeled the crazy wife, either in a ministry setting or some, um, you know, faith-based work settings. Um, This is such an inappropriate concept. It's such a... um, a hugely stereotypical and a negative stereotype that um, there are women who are trying to bring good men down for whatever reason. Um, We want people to call out what is not right among us, whether that's a woman or a man. Um, And in many cases, it may just be that women who are on the margins um, or who are socialized differently are often seeing things that are wrong and wanting to bring change and fix those and make them better. But these are not the voices we want to silence or um, shun in any way. And so I'm grateful for Amy and her whistleblowing, but also the way that she's been supportive of whistleblowers, as well as trying to help support those who are walking through the difficult journey of both whistleblowing, speaking out to the press, starting a podcast, um, or just getting on Twitter and sharing um, one's perspective. And so grateful that she was on today. I hope that if any of you have found this helpful that you'll reach out to her for more information or for more support. Um, and that any of you, if you're in a situation where you're starting to wake up from betrayal blindness, um, would love to talk to you about that. Always reach out. You can reach out to me on Twitter, threads, um, Instagram, wherever is most convenient for you. And of course, as always, you could join our difference maker community where we go a little deeper into all these episodes. And we definitely do that with, Amy, after this, we'll be talking with her a little more about her perspective on what's going on with the Southern Baptist Convention, abuse cases there, whistleblower situations there. And of course, she lives in Nashville, right there where the Lifeway headquarters is, which is the publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, And so she's right there in the middle of all that and has some really good insight um, into some of this and is, is her heart is just to help people flourish. 
Um, so it was great to have her on today. Um, once again, if you're a podcast movement in Denver in August, please reach out and say hi um, ahead of time. And we'll try to have coffee or grab a meal together, or maybe we'll be in a breakout session together. Either way, love supporting other fellow podcasters out there. Podcasting is such a great way to make changes in the world, raise awareness, have thoughtful conversations like this one and make a difference. Wherever you are, wherever in the world, I'm grateful for you for listening, for engaging in these conversations, and um, I hope you are staying emotionally healthy or at least growing toward emotional health through these conversations. Keep making a difference wherever you are. As we're finishing this episode, if you're thinking, I really wish I could learn more or go a little bit deeper. Well, that's what our Difference Maker community is for. I would love to welcome you in to join the rest of us there. Once again, um, it's only $5 a month to join the price of a latte at your local coffee shop. You can join at our Changers tier. Difference Makers is a community that really means so much to me. It's very special because each time I have a guest on the show, I record something um, outside of what we give to just the regular podcast audience where we go a little bit deeper and then I post those video episodes in this community and we can discuss them. But also at the very uh, beginning tier, which is our changers tier of this community, you'll get exclusive voting power and help pick podcast topics that give us you know, more of what we want from your perspective. You'll have access to exclusive um, 30 plus mini-sodes that aren't out there for the general public, and you'll get every month an exclusive monthly bonus mini-sode. At our Groundbreakers level, which is $10 a month, you can join and get all of that, but also priority access to submit questions to the podcast, and you'll get an additional two exclusive monthly bonus mini-sodes. And at our Trailblazers tier, which is $15 a month, the price of three lattes a month, um, you can get all of that plus also three exclusive monthly bonus minisodes um, and a patron shout out. So I would love for you to join us at any of those tiers. Um, It'll help you come into this community, be in the midst of all of us, other difference makers, and we'd love to hear your perspective. I certainly would. It's a place to engage more with me and the audience around what you like, what you're resonating with, and once again, go deeper with each of our guests. So please join us in this membership community. I would love to hear your perspective and love to share this extra content with you. So show up at patreon.com slash a world of difference.